So uh, we got some feedback this morning that everything sounds just a, like a, a little bit deeper uh, pitch-wise on the live stream. We have no idea why. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, obviously, if I go for a deeper bass and it sounds great, we'll just keep it that way. But I was kind of hoping we'd go for the Morgan Freeman sound for me. I think that'd be a great... Pre or James Earl Jones. That would be great. Wow, nobody would fall asleep during my sermons then. Not that anybody has ever done that. Uh, before we jump into the sermon this morning, um, I want to give you a quick update on our Benevolent Fund. This is a fund that we have as a church that people contribute directly to. They, they designate their gifts to the Benevolent Fund. And it's used to meet the needs in the lives of individuals from our church and our community. And the account has been busy over the past while. Uh, we, be, we try to be proactive in identifying needs in the community, uh, especially as we approach seasons like Christmas where we know it's a very difficult season for people and financially very hard sometimes. So this year we managed to identify 15 families that had significant needs that we could help meet over Christmas. Uh, each of these families were connected to our church through some, some form of relationship with a partner ministry or an individual knowing them. Uh, and every house received at least one food hamper from us. And this food hampers had turkey and all sorts of stuff in it. And uh, in the case of the larger families, we actually provided two hampers. We wanted to make sure each family could both celebrate Christmas with a full meal I think it's an important thing, but also have food in their fridge and pantry afterwards to keep them going. And we're able to meet some other needs as well with that. And uh, the women's Bible study on Wednesday morning was just fantastic and a huge help in coordinating and buying and delivering everything. It was just a wonderful ministry to have to these families, and they very much appreciated it. And uh, we were also able to help out some other needs over the past months. Uh, we generally don't go into specifics on what those are, because uh, you could maybe tell who it was if you were to hear what the need was, uh, and we like to keep it confidential and private. So I want to say thank you as a church for your support in giving to the Benevolent Fund. It's an important ministry that meets specific needs of the community in important and tangible ways. If this is a ministry you wish to support, you can give to it by making a donation to the church and either writing benevolent in the memo field on the check or writing benevolent on the envelope or making a note or message in your online giving uh, through e-chance or chance for that it's for benevolent. Uh, but most of all, thank you as a church for loving God and loving others through your gift by sharing your resources to help meet needs. Uh, one of the things we'll see in the coming weeks in our sermon series on Acts is that as the believers gathered, they shared what they had with one another. And the Benevolent Fund is one of the ways that we do that now in the church. It's, a, it's an expression of the desire to care for one another and share what we have to meet the needs of others. So before we jump into the sermon, I just want to take a minute and pray, and then we'll go into the message. Lord God, we thank you for your provision in our lives and how you meet our needs, and how blessed we are. And thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of this community of faith and sharing back, uh, wanting to help others have their needs met when they're in times of struggle or challenging times or dealing with health issues. Lord, thank you that we as a church can walk alongside them. And while the Benevolent Fund is an important ministry, Lord, we also know it's only one way that our church cares for others. 
Thank you for those who take time and invest in the relationships and be present, even in this COVID season, to care for and love those who need extra love and care, people who are hurting or alone or sick. Thank you for that important ministry, Lord. Thank you for those who are faithfully praying for those with needs and caring for people that way. Thank you for those who are looking out in their neighborhoods and in their workplaces and loving and caring for people there or in the schools. Lord, you have placed us where we are to be your hands and feet. And Lord, we come and sing songs of worship, but our lives are also worship to you. And when we love our neighbor as ourselves, as you call us to, that is a beautiful act of worship to honor you and glorify you and to share your love with others. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears so we can see and hear what needs to be done around us, to see where you've placed us to make a difference in the world, to see who we can help, who we can love and care for, and who we can walk alongside. Give us the words in those moments where words fail us. Give us the freedom to be silent and just sit with people as they hurt or need somebody to be with them. But in all that we do, Lord, may your love show through us, radiating outward as a light in the darkness. In your name we pray. Amen. As we move into our sermon this morning, uh, one of the challenges with Acts is that there's so much content in each passage, it's hard to address everything there. I could go on theological rabbit trails with so many things in, even in today's sermon, where we're not really uh, seen as a significant passage compared to something like the, the passage on Pentecost. And over the past year, we've had numerous times where I've posted a number on the screen or an email address so you can send in questions or share your thoughts on the sermon. And I would respond to it in the service. And one of the feedbacks was, that's a bit distracting trying to juggle that in the sermon, and I hear you. So as we journey through Acts, at least for the next number of weeks, I want to try something different. I want to invite you to do that again, to send in questions or thoughts or, or just a response to what you hear. Um, you can use an email or a phone number. They're on the screen right there. Uh, you can leave questions or comments on Facebook as well if you'd like to. Um, you can text me, as I mentioned, on uh, the usual number. And what I'm going to do is on Monday night... Uh, I'm going to do a Facebook Live event where I'll go on Facebook and I'm going to share the comments and answer any questions and respond to the thoughts that you have. And uh, this week for sure, and maybe other weeks, I'm going to also share an extra reflection that didn't make it into the sermon. Um, there's so much in here and sometimes it doesn't fit always. Uh, I have a friend who writes a blog. He's been doing this for like 15 years and he calls it the fourth point. Because remember when sermons were always described as having an illustration, three points, and an illustration to end it? So he had a fourth-point blog that explores extra content from his message he didn't preach. And so in some ways, I'm going to use this live time for the next number of weeks at least as some extra content, uh, extra thoughts um, that didn't make it into the message. And you can, of course, during that time being live, I can also respond to comments that you ask at that point. Uh, now, if you're saying, Mike, I don't have Facebook, I can't join you, you don't actually have to have a Facebook account to join the Facebook Live video to watch it. Uh, same thing with our Facebook uh, Live videos on Sunday morning. You don't actually need an account. Just browse to pcom.ca slash Facebook um, or search Parliament Community Church Facebook. You'll find us. Uh, just X out where it says sign in, and it'll let you access our Facebook page. Uh, I really want sermons to be more than just me talking. 
I want it to be a conversation. I, ideally, I'm just somebody communicating what God wants to say and the Spirit's working in you, uh, taking what is being said and what you're hearing and working on that in your life. And I want to hear back from you about that as well and, and to challenge it. It doesn't mean we're, we're going to agree on everything all the time, but I, I value having that conversation. And same thing if there's questions. If you're like, well, what about this? What about that? Ask it. Because those things are important. Chances are there's others with the same questions. Uh, and I'm hoping this is another way we can connect with one another, engage with God's Word, and grow as Jesus' disciples. Uh, I mentioned I'll have extra content this week. Uh, I'm going to share some thoughts on the live stream around the area of suicide coming out of the passage this morning. As we work through the sermon today, um, there's, a, there's a section in the passage where um, Peter's talking about Judas's death. And this is an interesting point in Scripture where Acts says one thing, and uh, elsewhere in Scripture it says something else. In Matthew, Judas dies via suicide. In Acts, he trips as intestines all spill out, killing him. Which, as a kid, I thought that was so cool. I'm not going to go there now. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, there's this topic of suicide that connects in with this passage because of the Matthew one. And I don't want to avoid this topic uh, of his death. And so... Uh, I'm going to reflect a bit on suicide in Scripture and how we understand suicide as Christians. Um, partly because uh, I know some people who have been wrestling with this topic personally, uh, but also I think it's one that's important to talk about, especially with mental health being a real concern in our world, especially during COVID, and I, I think it's valuable to have that. So there's a, if you want to hear about that, join us um, Monday night around 7 if you can't make it Monday at 7, it'll be on the church Facebook page later on. You can go whenever you want and, and watch. I just won't be able to respond to your questions live. Um, so I don't think that passage fit directly into the sermon today, and, but I also don't want to ignore that part of the story of Judas. So I hope uh, Monday night will give us some space and uh, we can have a good discussion and conversation about that. I'm just going to jump ahead here. One of the things with Judas in the story, um, it's interesting because it's often in brackets. So kind of a side note, right? Like, oh, well, that's a nice little thought. Obviously not that important. Uh, but I think it is important that it's here in the Scripture and in the story, uh, that this is the reality the disciples are dealing with. It shows us something important about which the world in which the disciples are living and having to cope with and deal with. Because you see, the disciples are in such a unique space um, that I would describe as being in between. It's in between the ascension of Jesus to heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit. A time frame of about 10 days where they had hope and faith, but also I suspect there would be some sense of questioning and wondering. Maybe even some uncertainty. Now, think about how intense the past 40 to 50 days would have been for the disciples. They had the Last Supper. They saw Jesus betrayed. They saw him tried and crucified. They had three days of incredible grief and wondering and unsure of what was happening, followed by the miracle then of the resurrection. I mean, talk about a roller coaster of emotions and experience and their whole world being turned upside down as they encountered Jesus alive. And then they had 40 days with Jesus post-resurrection. And now they're in this in-between time, a time of waiting. 
In some ways, we can see the disciples being on the spiritual high, disconnected from the world around them because of all they'd seen and done, because of what they knew about Jesus. Maybe they could just disconnect from the world and ignore everything and focus on themselves and their spirituality and their community and just close in on themselves and not worry about anything else. Yet in the midst of this, this is where we see Judas brought up about his need to be replaced. And it's interesting that the reality of the broken world is evident in their lives as they dealt with the emotions over a friend who was dead. A supposed friend who had then betrayed their rabbi, their Lord, their Messiah. They had to cope with with that death and what he'd done and what that meant to them as well. And this in-between season for the disciples was not some form of spiritual retreat from life, but it happened in the midst of the world around them continuing. And this is important for us to see. These, these ending verses in chapter 1 aren't some, trans, some throwaway verses for a transition to the Holy Spirit. They're there for a reason. They're important for us today and teach us something about our life today. You see, in-between seasons aren't unusual. They're there throughout the scriptures. I mean, some examples are the in-between the flood and exiting the ark, that in-between time. Or the in-between of exiting Egypt and entering the promised land. Or the in-between season between the prophets speaking and the coming of Jesus, to name a few. Or the in-between the birth of Jesus and the start of his teaching. These in-between seasons are where we're living out our faith in everyday life. Not always surrounded by the incredible miracles we see in Scripture. Not always encountering the obvious and incredible direct intervention of God in ways that are astounding with the flooding of the world or parting of the Red Sea or speaking to the prophets. You see, just like those examples in Scripture... Just like the disciples after Jesus' ascension to heaven, we're living in the in-between time. We're living in the season in between Christ coming, dying, resurrected, ascending to heaven, that incredible series of events, and his ultimate second return to finish the work that Jesus started. We're living in the in-between. Now, I said, not marked by the incredible miraculous. I still believe the miraculous happens. I don't believe that stopped. But I I do think the miracles we see are a little bit different than Jesus rising from the dead. Fair? And I'm thankful for the miracles we see. But it's a different season we're living in right now. This in-between time. And like the disciples, it's a season that's one of hope and faith but also at times can be a season of uncertainty and concern and maybe even feeling alone in this world that's so broken. We're living life in the in-between in the midst of the reality of the broken world, not outside of it, not separate from it. We don't get a get-out-of-suffering card for life just because we follow Jesus. We have to deal with sin and brokenness with heartache and hurt, with grief and sickness and death. These are realities that we have to journey through and deal with. And yes, sometimes there's incredible miracles that set those aside. But then we come back to them in some way or some form. Because we're still waiting for Jesus to come 
and bring about the fulfillment of his work. We can't avoid these things just because we know Jesus. We can't avoid these things until Christ one day returns and completes his work. And maybe we're in the middle of another in-between season of a different sort. The in-between of the start of COVID and the end of COVID. I mean, kind of taken over our world and it's kind of put a lot of stuff on hold in ministry and life and church and so many different ways. So we're in this waiting season marked by uncertainty, uh, and some things, and self-certainty, and other individual views, and we're seeing in this in-between division of relationships, it's a season marked by sickness and isolation, uh, by doubt and skepticism with others. It's a season that's been marked by death for some, and others just trying to continue on in life as best they can. Yet we're all in this in between time, no matter what our view or stance is on COVID, on what our view or stances are on vaccines or any other thing is, we're in the midst of all this along with our world. So looking at how the disciples handled this time, this 10 days between Ascension and Holy Spirit, what they did there can guide us in the season we are in maybe. Maybe it can speak to us and show us how to keep going forward in this season. And I believe there's three things the disciples do that we see happening in this passage today. I think these three things should shape how we do things as well in this in-between season. Both the in-between season of waiting on Christ to return, but also the in-between season immediately that we're in right now. So the passage today begins with the disciples returning to Jerusalem from Jesus' ascension that took place, it seems like, at the Mount of Olives. When they arrive, they go upstairs to uh, their room where they were staying, clearly a fairly large room for them all to be there. And in verse 14 we read, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So in this in-between season, they take a different approach than the disciples did after Jesus died in those three in-between days there. Then we read the Gospel of John, they went fishing. Well, this is not a fishing time anymore. Here we see them praying. Luke is clear as he recounts this, that it wasn't just the disciples either, but also they were praying along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This small community of believers gathered and committed themselves to prayer. They spent time focusing their hearts and minds on God, submitting themselves to the one who redeemed them and loves them. And I love how Luke makes sure it's clear that it's not just the men that are gathering, but the women joined in, especially singling out Jesus' mom. Uh, so it's kind of a neat thing with Luke. Uh, the start of Luke and the start of Acts, we see him focus on Mary and make sure that we know that she's present in the story. Uh, won't go off tangent on that. I just think that's a really neat. But the inclusion of the women, including Mary, is to make sure we know that these women are a part of that community. They're an active part. This isn't just guys anymore. This is the whole community of believers. And the women who are so faithful to Jesus, they're not just part of the past, but they're a part of this community now and of faith moving into the future. And this group chooses to pray not once, not twice, but continuously. Now, I don't know what that looks like exactly. 
Do they break off into small groups and always have somebody praying? Did they, whatever they're doing, just stop and pause and pray for a little bit? I don't know. Were they each praying individually as well? Probably. But they were praying continuously, we're told. Prayer is a foundation of their relationship with God, but also of their relationship with one another. And as we journey through this season, this COVID season, how important is prayer in your life right now? Who are you praying alongside? Who are you praying for? We need to undergird our life, our ministry with prayer. Prayer needs to be at the foundation of who we are as a church, not just during COVID, but all times. And we have lots of prayer in some ways. We have our, our care groups that are praying regularly. We have our women's Bible study that prays regularly. We have others I know that are praying during the day. We had a prayer gathering yesterday and had 15 people join us for the prayer gathering online. But there's always room for more prayer. We read that they were praying continuously. Not just slotting in five minutes here or five minutes there. We talked last week a little bit about the post-service prayer time. And, you know, there's a sense sometimes when you have those times that, oh, well, you only go forward if you have a real problem. And sometimes people are hesitant to go forward because they don't want to look like they have a problem. We want to really shift that post-service prayer time to be something more. Come forward and just pray with one another. If you need prayer specifically, there's always some people there who are keeping an eye out for individuals to see if they need prayer. They'll help you come in. But gather and pray as a church. Wouldn't it be great if we had 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 people gathering and praying for God to make himself known, to pray for our community, to pray for the unbelievers around us, the people who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, but God loves so much to pray for our faithfulness as a church to God, to pray praise and adoration to God, to just take some time after church and come forward and join those up front and pray with them. I want to encourage you in that. And I get our services go late, and it doesn't always work for everybody. If there's a better time for you, saying, Mike, I want to be praying with others, but I haven't found a time that works, talk to me. Let's find a time that works. Prayer is important. The elders have made prayer a priority. The staff are making prayer a priority. We want to be putting our dependence in Christ. And we do that through prayer. The next thing we witness this group doing, along with all the other believers around them, which we're told is a group of about 120 people, Peter preaching. We see, we see Peter preaching. And we read in verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. And he continues on explaining and helping people understand what the Scripture said and what it meant. This group of believers, 120, they gathered and heard a message from Peter that called them to action. 
They depended on God's word to guide them. They expected scripture to speak to them. And they valued the gift of teaching and preaching and its impact on the community of faith. Now, we live in a world with an unbelievable amount of information and ideas. There are no lack of alternatives in this world to base your thoughts on. You can find whatever you want to agree with your view, whether you're trying to affirm something or you're a skeptic of something. The question for you is, where does the word of God fit into all of it? Is it the foundation through which you interpret the world? Are you accountable to a community of believers in how you understand Scripture? Or are you just doing your own thing? Now, when I talk about, you know, we need to root ourselves in the Word and in the preaching and teaching that happens, I'm not saying... Folks, I'm the pastor. You better listen to me because I'm Mike the pastor. Like I said, I think sermons should be more conversational and not just one way. Because we all need to hear the Spirit speaking, right? Now, do I believe I'm called to be a preacher? I believe so. I've had that affirmed numerous times. That does not mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean I'm always right. But I do believe it means the Holy Spirit can take the words that I say just so he can take the words you say and work with them in your heart and nurture them and maybe sometimes even rework them (laughs) to get it right if I get something wrong to grow you as a disciple. And I also believe there's something of value of doing this together. Being in the same space, wrestling with the same passage, hearing the same message, being challenged on the same things. And I need you to know, when I'm talking about what God calls us to, I'm preaching to myself too. In fact, I believe I should be preaching to myself first before I preach to you. If I don't need to hear the word of God, there's a problem, right? So I'm not talking about this to elevate myself. It doesn't matter who's preaching or who's teaching, whether it's Ben teaching or or anybody else, whether it be James or Jared or Kristen or anyone else who's preaching or teaching. We do this as a community, just like the early church did in that in-between time. And we trust the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us in that, to encourage us in our faith, to challenge us in our faith, to call us forward in faith. Finally, we see the disciples call a new disciple to replace Judas. We see them cast lots. And that's based on their understanding of Scripture. They nominated two people, two men, and they cast lots to decide who should be the new disciple to replace Judas. Now, normally, we don't practice casting lots, uh, though sometimes some churches or groups do. In fact, this method of determining who needed to do what was actually rooted in the Old Testament. But never again in the book of Acts do the disciples make decisions this way again. And they have decisions to make. Decisions that this would have been a valid means to decide things with. Why didn't they? 
The answer is because they didn't need to. You see, they're in the in-between time right now, but the Holy Spirit's coming. And once the Holy Spirit's given to everyone, there's not a need to, gather, to cast lots. Rather, they can depend on the Holy Spirit directly, discerning the leading of the Spirit in their lives and within their community. But they're in this in-between time, and so they depend on a method of discernment familiar to them. It also needs to be noted, their trust is not in the casting of lots. The lots are merely the tool they are watching to see Jesus communicate with them who he chooses as the next disciple. They have rooted this act in prayer. Jesus, show us who you wish to have chosen. Not, oh, let's just throw some sticks and see which one it is. It doesn't matter. This is rooted in faith. It's rooted in a trust of Jesus and in a relationship with Jesus. And so there's a fundamental difference between putting, between their, putting their trust in Jesus and just casting lots. But what this passage shows is the disciples didn't stop taking care of the business of the community of faith and the details that needed to be addressed. They didn't put ministry on hiatus because Jesus ascended and they're waiting for the promised spirit. The ministry of God's kingdom whether hands-on ministry or administrative details or church leadership does not stop in the in-between season we're in. It has to continue. We do not stop ministry in this season. Ministry has changed how it looks. But I would argue that the church is in a season when we should be increasing our impact in the world, not decreasing it. We should be increasing our impact in the world through nurturing relationship, using our resources for kingdom ministry, loving our neighbor, investing in those people, growing in faith, seeking God's leading in this season. We see the disciples in this in-between time do three things. Pray, root themselves in God's word as it's taught, and carry on the day-to-day task before them. And there's something in common with all three of these activities. They do it in community. They pray together. They study the word of God together. They do the work of the church together. And we need to be reminded again and again, especially in a season where we're called to isolate ourselves, that faith in Jesus is not just an individual act, but is stepping into a community of other believers that we're going to walk alongside and do life with. And sometimes that might look different, Sometimes it might be challenging and stretching us as we have to deal with technology or finding different ways to do things. But we do this thing called faith in community. And our community is not perfect. But we don't walk away from community because it's not perfect. Remember, we're in this in-between season. Life isn't perfect. The world's not perfect. But this is what God's called us to. We become a part of something bigger than us when we make a commitment of faith to follow Jesus. We become a part of a community that supports us. A place for encouragement and journeying together in faith. A place for accountability and a place to serve God together.
And maybe COVID's made one thing clear for us that maybe we got off track on as churches in North America. Our success at church is not measured by filling seats in a sanctuary, by having the largest programs. It never has been that. But we got lazy and chose that as our measurement of success. That's the fruit of something that can happen. That's one of the possible fruits. But that's not how we evaluate success. In this in-between season of COVID, in this in-between season between Jesus ascending and returning, we can no longer afford to see success in the church be measured on attendance on a Sunday morning. We are called to make disciples. And if our measurement of discipleship is based solely on Sunday morning attendance, we have missed the boat Something has gone drastically wrong in the church. We need to learn from the early church and recognize that success is living out the mission God called us to. I'm not talking about some nice polished mission statement we develop, which those have value. But I'm talking about the core calling of Christ on us to love God and our neighbors and to make disciples in the world around us. To care for the sick. To care for the downtrodden and the brokenhearted. To be a voice of God's justice in this world. To be a voice of grace and hope and love and peace. Our world desperately needs this. That is what success will be, is how we live that out. God has led us together in this local community of faith, and he's called us to a mission, a mission that does not stop because we're in between. Just like the disciples in those 10 days, Let's root ourselves in prayer. Let's devote ourselves to the word of God and root ourselves in that because goodness knows there's enough other messages. And if we're not rooted in the word of God, how are we going to know the truth? And let's put our energy into the mission God calls us to, not all the distractions the world wants us to have. Let's focus on doing those three things. And if you don't know where to start, then do this. One day this week, devote yourself to a time of prayer. Pray with somebody else. Connect with somebody. Say, can I pray with you on the phone? I need to pray with someone. I'm tired of doing this myself. Commit to engaging with the Word of God through our care groups. If you want to be connected to a care group, contact the church office. We'll figure this out. We have groups that meet online. We have groups that meet in person. We'll try and make it work. Connect with the women's Bible study on Wednesday morning. Commit to connecting with the body of Christ 
here on Sunday morning, whether online or at home. If you can't make it Sunday morning, jump in midweek on YouTube or Facebook, catching up. Be a part of your community and engaging with the Word together. Do that once a week. You can do it more than once a week, too, just to be clear for all this. And most importantly, I think, live out the mission. Make an intentional choice each week to love God, to love your neighbor, and to seek to help somebody grow in faith, whether it be through an act of love and compassion, being the hands and feet of Jesus, or sharing the message or inviting them to join you for a Bible study and engaging in that. There's so many different ways to do this. But make those intentional choices. And then next week, increase it a little more and keep building up on it. But let's take the lesson from the early church. And as we go forward in this COVID season, may our eyes be on the task God has called us to and not the distractions of the world around us. May we serve to live Christ first as a community of faith and honor him in all that we do. Because just like the disciples in their in-between period, this season will end. And do you know how the in-between seasons end? By God doing wondrous things. And we're going to see the greatest thing of all. One day Christ will return in glory. And every knee will bow. And every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. So let's live the in-between with that in sight. That's what we're working towards. That's our goal. As we journey through COVID, as we journey through awaiting Christ's return, let's set our eyes on the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who reigns in heaven will return. And we'll live in glory with him forever. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, you've given us hope. By going to heaven, you gave us the hope of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, knowing that you are always with us with your Spirit, prompting us, guiding us, encouraging, challenging us, calling us. But you also have given us the hope, the hope of eternal life, the hope of your kingdom breaking into this world, of your love being made manifest and real and showing itself in this world through us and to us. And ultimately our hope that one day you'll return and there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more suffering. All will be made right and all will be made new. So help us to keep our eyes focused on you in this season. In a world that would call us away from that focus, help us to follow you fully. In your name we pray. Amen.